Presenting Canary P.I. in The Phantom Physicist, a J. Henry production. Hattie's shoehorns, now made with durable Bakelite. The future is now. Yeah, I grumble a lot. They may be mind-numbing and not always most lucrative, but those infidelity cases are my bread and butter. I miss the Hank Panky smooching on Blondie from the mall shop while the wifey's home alone with the kids. Yeah, open and shut. If I'm caught in my surveillance, I pretty much know all the tricks in the book to quell the situation. Safe, compared to some of these cases that come to me on the regular. Sometimes you have to take a job pro bono. I know how some poor souls can get lost in the system as I was a part of it. If Ma and her kids can get a fresh start, well... What do you got? I'm Mrs. Ursula Conan here to see you. Your favorite. Suspected adultery. Alright, send her in. The door to my office opened and she closed it gently behind her. She was short and rubenesque, pale with wavy brown hair that fell over both shoulders. I never thought I'd be in this position. I need some help. Take a seat and tell me what vexes you. My husband. He's just gotten so distant. He used to come home right after work. Now it's excuse after excuse. Short-staffed at the hospital. An old college buddy of his is in town. Getting a tune-up on the Chevy. It's never-ending. A man of medicine, eh? He sure is. My husband is a brilliant man. Used to be a scientist for the government. What kind of scientist? I couldn't say. He was always vague. Said it was for my protection. Yeah, I can relate. He was a valued mind for the higher-ups for many years. It made him miserable, so we left. I'm just trying to illustrate. If you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, he's not some two-bit hood. He can be very clever when he wants to be. You leave the gumshoeing to me, sweetheart. I have done some of my own investigating. As much as I want to believe his lies, I'm not a dumb woman. I have tailed him and remained unseen. He is not running errands or staying late at work. He goes to some apartment building downtown. He stays for hours at a time. And you need me to confirm your suspicions. Yes, I... I need the whole truth. If I take this job, I'm not gonna sugarcoat what I find. Are you prepared? Yes, I told you. I just need to know. Are you a mother, Mrs. Oconian? How's your bankroll? We have payment plans. Even if you can't cover that, we can work with you. Yes. I have two little boys. I could pay you for three days. I'll make it work, I thought to myself. I'll need two. Max. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Canary. I'll just need a name, a description, and the address of the Lonely Hearts Cooperative. She gave me everything I needed to know. Even if he was some highfalutin government scientist, it's as textbook as they come. I just hate to tell her what he's doing with his Bunsen burner after hours. I can sympathize, really I can. I'm not as heartless as I seem sometimes. I'm just not good with that stuff. Yeah, I'm no head shrinker. You'll be hearing from me soon. I wish you all the luck. She stood up and shook my hand across my desk. She turned her back and as she walked out, I heard a muffled sniffle through her cupped face. She was composed by the time she walked through the door of my office. Easy now. Can't let her bother me. A job's a job. I try to be impersonal as I can for these cases. As long as there's desire and loose scruples, there'll always be birdseed for all RP. Have Casanova. We'll flourish. I was already at the apartment complex earlier that evening, casing the joint out. People coming and going in the systematic chaos of rush hour. Soon the streets will wind down and decent folk will be settled with their pot roasts in front of the idiot box until it's time to turn in and 
started all over the next morning. I never really liked a set schedule all that much. I find these after-hour rendezvous with precarious certainties to be the spice of life. Tall, bespectacled, kind of gangly, slicked cold black hair, slim leather briefcase. Here comes lover boy now. I emerged from my car, donned in navy blue overalls, a tube belt decorated with his namesake, paper bag in hand. Walking straight at him from the opposite direction, I accidentally bumped into him, spilling the contents of the bag all over the ground in front of him, a quart of hopelessly sticky pine tar. Watch where you're going, will ya? Look what you've done. These shoes are only two weeks old. Acting like a complete klutz, I tangled his limbs up in mine. It was a real slapstick scene. Oh, oh, sorry, sir. Just rushing us over to the job site while there's still a little daylight left. Leaky roofs, you know? Lovely. Now if you'll excuse me. Now hold on, I'll help you. I bent down with a hanky to futilely wipe the bottom of his shoes, just making him trip into the black sludge some more. Am I flailing about, I knock his suitcase to the ground with the back of my hand, spraying it open, containing only a thick, well-used notebook and a flask. No, that won't be nis- Just go away. You're making everything worse. Say, you got a nickel for the payphone? <sighs> the doctor just grunts and walks away. That line is just for my amusement. Always gets him. A notebook and a small bottle of hooch. No French perfume or satin undergarments wrapped in a bow. I'll have to go a little deeper for evidence. I walk around the block in a meandering way, then back to my car to make sure I'm not seen. I rip off my overalls, revealing my suit underneath. I lace up a fresh pair of Oxfords and I'm reunited with my trench coat. Hat on, collar up, sunk into seat. I wait another hour. The street's slowing down. People still coming in and out of the apartment building, but I won't know anything until I get closer. It's time to go in. I walk up to the building under the cover of night. An older woman fumbling with two bags of groceries. She accepts my offer to help and we walk right past the doorman. I take note of the direction of the scuffed up floors. We'll take a paint scraper and a couple of washes before that stuff comes off. Works like a charm when subtlety isn't a factor. The lady offers a tip but I decline. I follow the trail upstairs. Room 32. Third floor, two rooms in. Got it. I tip my hat to the doorman, not making eye contact, as I exit the building. I walk around the side and under the cover night slip into the alleyway. I stack up a couple of sweaty crates. Standing on my tippy toes, I'm able to grab and lower the ladder of the fire escape. I swiftly ascend up the entanglement of rusty metal. Not bad, old man. You still got it. This should be it. Totally blacked out window. Can't sense any movement inside. I encase myself in my black trench coat and wait. A sickly sweet and pungent smell wafts into my nose, like ozone. I take out my zippo and under the flap of my jacket I hold it up to my pocket watch as to not be seen. It's about time now. I put my ears to the glass. It's faint and muffled but I hear a phone ring. What? I'm not expecting any delivery. <sighs> Fine. I'll be right down. Right on time. 35 pounds of mackerel defrosting on their lobby floor should keep him busy for a while. I jimmy the window open and enter. This was no love nest. No way this was up to code. Lines of bubbling beakers and graduated cylinders filled with all colors of the rainbow. Blue electricity writhing and curling up the probes of a Tesla coil. Wooden boxes faced with unmocked knobs and switches. This 
was a makeshift laboratory. This case just got a whole lot more interesting, eh, Canary? I spot the notebook open next to a bunch of glass bric-a-brac. I fanned through the mathematical equations and crude sketches littered about the dog-eared pages. I land on a page with a featureless silhouette of a person with more scientific jargon scribbled in the margins. I don't know what any of this is. I hear heavy steps coming up the stairs outside. Already? Damn. I don't have enough time to make heads or tails of this. I'll have to take it back to my office. He'll know someone was here. No choice now. I tucked the book into my inside pocket and I was out the window, closing it behind me as to not make a sound. I hear smashing of equipment and curse words as I was descending the side of the building like some kind of cape crusader. I briskly walked to my car and I got the hell out of there. Back in my office, I am able to look closer at the notebook. It contains some alarming passages. I was fresh out of college. Green with stars in my eyes. Getting a doctorate in physics wasn't something everyone could do. It didn't come easy. But I was valedictorian. I had many job offers, but one that caught my eye was a government job working for the Defense Department. And after a short time of consideration, I accepted. It was exciting. I felt like I was making a difference. I could help propel our country forward with cutting-edge technology and I... I wouldn't have to worry about getting my hands dirty. I was wrong. You see, most of the time you didn't even know what you were working on. They'd move you around to different projects in various degrees of completion. You'd figure out a specific problem and on to the next you went. This was done on purpose, so you never knew the big picture. Operation Templeton was one they were stalled out on for years. I was briefed on it more than any other project before. Real cloak and dagger spy stuff. A kind of camouflage never attempted before. Sounded right out of H.G. Wells. They hypothesized that complete human invisibility was not only possible, but they were successful. With adverse side effects. In summary, the report read like this. Eric Schmidt was the first person to head it up. He was allowed to stay on the project longer than protocol since he was their star scientist. He grew obsessive. He claimed he was closest to the biggest discovery of humankind since fire. He got into the animal testing phase, which was a feat in itself. After many unsatisfactory outcomes, he got it to work. Templeton, the rat, was his name. It was in the file that the rodent went completely transparent and re-emerged, unharmed. More tests were ordered. He wouldn't listen. He felt it was ready for human testing and he was going to be the guinea pig, allegedly. He administered the drug to himself and made notes of his vitals. Nothing. He took another dose and waited. He was starting to feel something. This is where his colleague ran in and explained the rest. It started with his hand. It pulsed with transparency, flashing in and out of existence like some kind of interdimensional being. It spread to the rest of his body, blinking in and out. He screamed bloody murder. He completely disappeared and then silence. Five minutes passed and a primordial-like sludge appears on the floor in his step. 
It was conclusive that the formula was not successful in humans. He was so close. My methods of purification have done it. A human being is able to attain invisibility through my new and improved serum, with minimal side effects. Just one more trial. Not much time now. My interim formulas got the intended effect, but the cellular degeneration was still there, only slower. I am a marked man. Soon I will be nothing but a pile of slime like the doctor before me. I hear a rustling in my front office. Uh, we're closed. Come back in the morning. My door flung open and it was Dr. Conian holding a knife to his wife's throat. I motioned to my holstered gun. Ah, ah, ah. Now don't reach for anything. The book, Canary. I need the book back. You've no idea how dangerous it is in the wrong hands. Mister, you're in way deep now. Now just think this through. No one has to get hurt. The book. Now! I had no shot. Can't endanger the lady. You got it, Doc. Now let the lady go. I throw the book at his feet, and he pushed Ursula forward into my arms. By the time I drew my gun, he was out the building. Are you okay? Call the cops. Now. Send them to the apartment building. I'm fine. Go! I ran and turned the corner, tripping over a pile of clothing. I get to my feet and look up and down the block. Nothing. A car suddenly peels away. I have to run the opposite direction to get to mine. He's going back to his lab. I spot his car, parked to skew at the front. The doorman screaming into a phone. I run past him and up the stairs. An ectoplasm-like substance speared on the floor every few steps. I draw my gun, and I kick the door in. There he was, naked as a jaybird amidst the bubbling and wafting fog of his experiments. Stick him up, Doc. The final formula works. It's a success. She's your wife. How could you? This is more important than any one of us. I wasn't going to hurt her. You you have to take the book. You can't let it get into the wrong hands. I, I don't have much time. He throws the book at me, and I catch it midair with my free hand. FBI, put the gun down. G-men. I raise my hand with my finger off the trigger and the book in the other. I'm a PI. My paperwork's in my pocket. I'm on a case. This man held a knife to his wife's throat. I'll be taking these while we get this sorted they out. I took my gun and the book, threw a blanket over the doctor. We were handcuffed and separated. They read through my papers, and I tell them my story. They gave me my gun back, and I was free to go. Out in front of the building, dismantled pieces of his laboratory was being carried out in wooden crates. Dr. Conian sitting in the back of an opened ambulance while someone was bent over checking his vitals. Feeling better, Doc? The street lamps glistened on his forehead. Before he was able to respond, a man poking and prodding him turns around, revealing a head of unruly gray hair, wearing welding goggles at night. Hallucinogens, Mr. Canary. It seems our enterprising patient has ventured into the drug business. After some rest at the rehabilitation clinic, he will be able to lead a normal life once again. He's in good hands. Right. Well, my work here is done. The next morning, I'm trying to process what happened yesterday. After all, what did I see? A naked man and a whole lot of nothing. Wait a minute. Nah. You start thinking like that, you know what will happen. An all-inclusive trip to the funny farm. Voice acted by, in order of appearance, J. Henry as Canary P.I. Rebecca H. as Ursula Oconian. Julian Gilas as Dr. Oconian. 
Frank Guglielmi as Strange Doctor. Written, directed, and edited by J. Henry. Music by Pedro Sparza, Kevin McLeod, and Vivek Abhishek. Further information in details below. For information on collaborating, contributions, or just want to keep up on the current scoop, follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpcanarypi. This concludes the broadcast.